0: And welcome back to another episode of the Real Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Real Conversations is a podcast for those dedicated to doing hard things and living a meaningful life. This belief is perhaps best encapsulated by a quote from the great Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, nor where the doer of deeds could have done them better. No, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. With that being said, welcome back to another episode of Real Conversations. Paul, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you? We haven't spoken for, a, well, we have spoken for a while, but not uh, not on record.
0: I know. I, I'm excited to do this. You were one of the more exciting interviews that I had when I was getting started back in 2019, early 2020. Um, and for those that don't know a little bit of context, this is the voice of Paul Richardson, the former executive chairman of Gymshark. He's been an investor and manager in a lot of different companies. Now he's working with uh, the streetwear fashion brand, Hera and a whole bunch of other things that I'm sure we'll get into, but it is great to finally get to catch up online.
1: Yeah, same. I mean, it it was, wow, way back 2019, pre-pandemic, and so much sort of shit's happened in between <laughs> time to change the world in, in all sorts of ways, which, uh, you know, has been, uh, you know, unfortunate for, for, you know, for some people, fortunate for other people, you know. Um, but again, I think that, true to the to the world we we always survive you know no matter what goes on we always have to come out the other end and you know that's a bit of a mantra of mine it's sort of um no matter what life throws at you you just got to get through it and get out the other side at some point and and hopefully uh unscathed
0: as possible i love that and that's that's kind of one of the things that i wanted to talk about is you had a very formative role at gym shark and helping that brand to become what it was and you've done some incredible things since those days But in the early days before then, did you always know that you were destined to do something so impactful or to do something at such a large scale? Or did things kind of just go one by one and form into this way? Or was this a vision from the start?
1: I think um, I always knew and always wanted to, to be in business. So, you know, that didn't really matter. I'd never really had aspirations to be you know a huge business man of any description you know and, and didn't really know at that time i was in waste management you know in my very early days and um that's a very very tough business you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a tough business in in many many senses you know from from the the sort of um, the capital intensive nature of the business you know which is lots of containers and trucks and 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 machinery and things like that to it actually being a tough business to be in, you know, it's, it's dog eat dog. And, you know, if you don't stand up for yourself, you know, you just get trodden on. So you have to sort of toughen yourself up and build up a lot of resilience in, in many different ways. Um, but I always wanted to be in business. Um, I, I, I didn't, you know, I have worked for somebody at some point in my life. I wanted to go and try that, um, which was when I was about 19, I think about 19 and a half. And, you know, I'd, I'd worked with my father And, you know, worked day and night and was working really hard. And, you know, I think I just wore myself out at at that very early age and decided I wanted to go and try something else. I went to work in a factory and, um, you know, it was very much, you know, getting at eight, you have your breakfast at a certain time and a break, and then you have your lunch at a certain time and you have to do this many items on a track type scenario. But that gave me a breathing space in my head to actually then make me realise that this actually also wasn't for me. And what I, what I liked and what I missed was the cut and thrust and all the hard work that goes with with being in business, you know, um, and not having it as easy. But, you know, I do realize that other people, you know, they want that um, and they that suits their lifestyle and what they want, but it didn't suit me.
0: So waste management, I mean, that is a full 180 from streetwear and fashion. How did you start there or why did you start there?
1: Uh, my 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 dad was um, a sort of market trader, you know, in these early days, you know, sort of UK people will understand that. I'm not sure US will exactly, but, you know, um, he was a wheeler dealer, market trader type guy. And um, he was into many different businesses in a really, really small way. You know, he was, was not super intelligent. He was a hard worker, but, you know, um, he would always try... You know, my mom tells me now, you know, she's she's still around. She's in the 90s. My dad passed 30, over 30 years ago. But she always tells me that he would put food on the table. You know, that was his first thing. And, you know, he liked a cigarette and he liked to drink, but the food always came first to go on the table for the family. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> he would get into different things. And one of the things he got into in in his sort of early days was, was uh, waste management it was skip hire in the UK. So um and and i i joined that you know i'd always liked to work i always went with him on a a weekend if i I could when i wasn't playing football or doing something for school um but i always loved being at work with him and i always loved that you know getting some more sort of you know pocket money of some description or doing something for for money money was probably one of my things in that in those (laughs) days because that's your yeah it's your currency isn't it you know um but um Uh, And that's where it started. So, you know, waste management was where we sort of started off. I really enjoyed it. It was really early days in the UK of this sort of waste management type uh, hire business, and and we excelled at it. So, yeah, we're really good.
0: That's incredible. So you went on to start a waste management company that you eventually sold, correct?
1: Yeah, we sold. The first one with with my mom and dad, we sold in 1989, way, way, way before you're born. (laughs) and (laughs) um or even thought of probably and then um i started again in 1992 and then i sold that one again um in 2000 and then sort of went on from there but that was the the two sort of uh and you know into into waste management and then i went further on after that
0: that's incredible talk about life-changing events how do you go from selling two waste management companies to meeting Ben Francis and joining the Gymshark Shark team, what was that journey? How did that come about?
1: So, from the 2000, I also then went into uh, football. So Birmingham City, I was a director on their board. Um, I bought a company called All Saints, um, the clothing manufacturer. You know, the clothing company. It's still around today. All Saints is worldwide. Um, but I bought that with uh, uh, two friends. Um, it had gone into uh, receivership, into administration. So we bought that in about 2002. And then so from there onwards, um, I then went into uh nappy recycling or diaper recycling for the US guys. Yep. Um, and we had the, you know, I had some New York partners who were working with that with me. Um, and, and that went on till about 2013, 14. And that's the sort of time that I met Ben and Lewis in the gym. Um Pretty well documented. You know, I met them in the gym. They were two young lads um, sort of bouncing around with this business that they'd started called Gymshark. Um, at the end of 13, it was doing about four, four and a half million. Um, wow. But they hadn't got anyone that they knew that was um, in business. Their mother, their father, their friends or their uncle, their auntie, they were not in business. So they hadn't really got anyone to go to, but they'd got a business, you know. Um, so in the gym um, they would just ask me loads and loads of questions and um, I think Ben called me you know they used to call me the business guy again <laughs> I was the only guy they knew who was in business and, and it's like a um, bit of a sliding doors moment really I mean you know I'm an older guy you know you've got some young guys bouncing around the gyms with egos and testosterone and everything and you know I don't really know, you know, why I talked to them. I must have liked them or must have liked the sound of them or whatever the reason was, Um, you know, I would, I would answer their questions where I could and try and give them help. And then at some point then they asked me to be, to do it more formally. And I did, I initially did a day a month because I couldn't afford any more time. That was all I'd got. I was working on my uh, sort of nappy diaper recycling project that I was doing um, across the UK and in uh, different parts of the world um and then it just went from there. It went um a day a week to a day a month to a day a week to two days a week and then on to being full time and part of the team and you know part of everything
0: jeez I, and I think that in my opinion, that resonates so well because I see your videos online. you're still pushing around weight in the gym like it's incredible that you're still going so hard after having so much success, so many things going on. Why is lifting such an important thing for you?
1: Um, when I, I got divorced in 2005 and at that point I was, um, just under 10 stone and, you know, you go through a divorce, you have, you know, all sorts of things going on. You drink too much, probably you go out too much, you're doing all them things and you're not in a really good place. I started to lift. Um, and then at just, at some point after that, I sort of got the bug of it and I, I realized that drinking was great but the hangover the next day was not great. So you're always got to come down. But I felt that going to the gym, I didn't have that come down. And I made, you know, I was starting to feel good about myself and my self-esteem was rebuilding. Um, I was putting on some weight. I was feeling a bit, you know, some stature about myself. Right. You know, I'm not a tall guy by any means, you know, um, probably short rather than tall, but <laughs> you know, it it, it, made, it gave me some sort of stature, you know, it made me feel good about myself and um, I was feeling healthy. And then that's continued along the way. And and I liken lifting to, to to business, you know. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't just walk up to 250Ks and do a deadlift straight away, you know. Um, you're going to have to build up to it. So you're going to have to train. You're going to have to put the food in and, the, you know, everything else and and, you know, condition yourself ready to do it. And that's similar to business. So I think they go hand in hand for me. And also one of the things it does for me is generally when I'm lifting – particularly when you're lifting heavy or more serious, you can't really think about anything else. So it's almost like a form of meditation. That's true. But, you know, you sort of zone out and, you know, if you're trying to connect the body and the mind together to do a good lift or a decent sized lift, then, you know, you can't really think about much else. So that's, that. it really does it for me. It's, it's, it's my staple thing that I go to.
0: Yeah. I, I enjoy lifting. I enjoy running for those same reasons. The third thing that I found that it's like, all you can do is focus on this. It's like a meditative state is ice baths. Have you had any experience in a cold tub?
1: I haven't, I haven't. No, I want to, I haven't got around to it. I do do a cold shower every morning. Oh, wow. So, you know, my first thing is I do hot shower, get myself sort of clean and I finish off with a, a cold shower Oof. And it just really like livens you up straight away. I mean, it, it isn't the ice bath and it isn't a certain number of minutes or anything, but I found it really improves any aches and pains that I've got. And it really gets me focused in the morning. Whereas if I have a hot shower, I'm sort of coming out of the shower sort of quite sort of, yeah, it's nice. You know, that was nice and warm. Whereas cold shower, boom. So, yeah, that's my
0: It's like that discipline muscle that you have to use. Cause when you're doing that first thing in the morning, the last thing you want is that cold water hitting you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, but it just, it just sharpens you straight away and you've got that fight fight or flight. So the easy thing is just do a couple of seconds and then get out, but no, no, to try and stop, stop yourself doing that and stay for as long as you can. You know, and I haven't really got a time. I just, I just think, you know, whatever I'm feeling like in the morning.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So we've, Seeing that you are aligned with the Gymshark brand, because I feel like to me that logo, that style of clothing, it emulates that confidence that you talked about getting when you were lifting yourself. You join them; they're doing about four million dollars a year, four and a half, and you're with them as they become a billion dollar unicorn brand, right? That, that was recent. Incredible! Yeah. The roller coaster that must have been.
1: Yeah, and and you know, there's a whole there's a whole team of people that are responsible for it you know it isn't just ben francis it isn't just you know paul richardson or steve hewitt or anyone else you care to name you know there's a whole team of people that allowed it to get where it was i think i don't think it will be emulated again i think we hit so many green lights along the way but we were really really fortunate in that we we had a certain uh with certain a certain team framework that allowed us to do things that other companies didn't do. So, you know, when we were, when we needed warehousing, it meant that I could go and do that. When we uh, talked with Lewis Morgan about exiting the business, it meant that I could do that and the business could carry on. You know, um, I think at the time Lewis exited uh, in the first part of the business, you know, we went from 13 million to 41 million turnover. In a year that was quite, you know, um, you know, there's quite a lot of things going on. Um, if there was offices to find, I would do that. I did lots of things in the background that didn't impact the, you know, the front line or the, the – I didn't even know what the sales revenue number was on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Steve Hewitt would know it every second of the day almost. <laughs> but that was the team effort with all the different people that were in there. And we were able to then bring really, really good people because we were able to identify – areas that we needed it. And I think from the, um, myself and Steve and guys around like that enabled the trust to be developed, to bring people on that were better than, you know, better than what Ben was or better than what Louis was at the time or some of the other people. And we just enabled it to progress quickly. And, and it did, you know, it went I mean, sort of numbers go sort of four and a half million, these are turnover, these are pounds. Sort of four and a half, eight point seven, thirteen point one, um, forty-one, hundred, I think it's two hundred and fifty after that, and blah, blah. Um, to be,
0: but to be doubling or tripling that long into the business, just incredible.
1: Yeah, it was it was a roller coaster. And yeah, there was lots of problems without a doubt, but you know, you've just got to approach those problems. And, you know, I think having a little bit of an older old couple of older heads really steadied the ship when sometimes they might have rocked a little bit um you know because again you know most of the time we'd we'd done things before or something really similar um you know as it grows then to sort of 500 or wherever it is now it's about 500 now you know then yeah we we probably we haven't got that skill set so then you need another set of people who've gone in more recently probably to to have that skill set where steve and i hadn't got to that and you know you have to sort of have the um have the humility to, to bow out and say, someone else needs to move on with this. now.
0: And so going along that point, you were with Jim shark for a while. Did you realize, Hey, it might be time to make a change. You think someone else could potentially do what I'm doing in a better capacity or were you burnt out or what kind of ultimately led to your decision to move on from Jim shark?
1: When we did the, um, we brought GA in, um, general Atlantic and we, we did the share, the share sale and brought so all those guys in. Um, I always knew that that was my time when I would be moving on. I knew that the company had grown to a certain size, that it, it outgrown my skill set um, and that I was very, very happy to, to move on. So uh, Steve Hewitt took over as chairman from me and he's 20 years younger than me. Um, he's now passed that on. Um, uh, he, he's moved on from that as well now. But we, we both are sort of... Um, you know, we have enough humility in us to say, yeah, this is this is the time for us. We'd rather go out with the respect that I think we deserve, um, the respect I think we've earned. And rather than wandering around the office as a couple of, I mean, I'm older than him, as I say, so I'll use this as me because he'll kill me otherwise um, <laughs> if, he, if he ever listens, um, is the old boy wandering around the office asking for asking people for something to do. You know, I didn't want that. I wanted to come out with people to remember me that I did a really good thing and that then it's now up to them to carry it on. So I always said to the guy, I said to the guys when I left, you know, I want to see what you younger guys have got in your locker, you know. But I'm always here if you need me. I'll, I, you've got my phone number. I'm around. You know, I'm still in lifting club, you know, once or twice a week. And you know, if you need me to speak to me, I'm always going to be around. I'm not running away. But you know, you now need to find your feet. You need to you need to move it on, and let's see what you can do.
0: That That is the respectable thing to do, but nonetheless, I feel like it's incredibly difficult because when you join as early as you did, I feel like in a sense, this becomes sort of your baby. You put so much effort and so much time into it and to realize the bigger picture that, Hey, it might be time for me to move on. That takes a lot.
1: Yeah, it, it does. But I think hundred percent, it's the right thing to do, you know, and I think it would be painful for people to still have, let's say me around. And they would be, it would th- their respect would start to drain. You know, it would it would it'd be less. So for me, I wanted to go out when people would go, yeah, he did a, he did a good thing, and then he's given us the chance for us to do a good thing. Because there's anything worse than than you know someone hanging around. I mean, I'm you know got my own business with my daughters now, and they they, they tell me when I'm wrong. I say, what about
0: this? And they go, no, Dad, no. Not going to happen. It's probably easier for them to give you that feedback than a normal employee.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I I respect it as well, you know, it's, and I'm not going to argue. So, you know, it's, um, if I've got something to, that I really believe in, I'll I'll discuss it with them, but I I don't call the shots as, yeah, well, look, I'm the owner. I can do what I want. I think that's the wrong thing to do. And, you know, I've learned a lot of that, you know, Steve Hewitt in particular, uh, you know, has, has taught me a lot of things, you know, he's, he's his way of working. um, You know, I've never met a more humble man ever. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from him. And and I also learned a lot from the guys at gym shop and and anywhere else, to be honest, I I love learning from new people, whether they're younger or older than me. And uh, most of them are younger
0: now. I think that's so important. I think there's always something that can be learned or a different perspective that can be gained.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, there's, um, when I was in waste management, there was, um, you know, you, you have a, a different sort of people within your business and, you know, you'd have a guy sweeping the sort of uh, waste transfer station yard, area, he would be out there in the rain and snow and talk, you know, I'd go out and talk to him because you just find things out about your business that other people either wouldn't tell you or didn't want to tell you because they were hiding it. But he, he or she would just give you, give you it as is. And, you know, um, it's, it's really valuable. So talking to everyone within your business, you know, the people who clean, the people who are the top managers, whoever, you know, you get a, you get a cross section because you'll get a different view from a different person.
0: Definitely. So moving on from Gymshark, then you went into Hera with your daughters. For those who don't know, how would you describe Hera and that opportunity that came about and what you're looking to do?
1: Um... It's uh, predominantly uh, what they probably call a streetwear type of business, you know. Um, it was owned by a guy called Ash White. Um, it wasn't in the best place when when he came along. He came along in 2018 to to Gymshark, actually, and, and wanted us to buy the business at that time. But, um, you know, we we offered him a deal, but he didn't take it. He then came back in 2021 and wanted to do it again. But uh, it wasn't for Gymshark. It wasn't something they wanted. So that's where I came in. Um, so it was a brand that was wounded and, you know, needed rebuilding. And it was an area that, uh, that we wanted to get into. My daughters are both fashion design students. One of them went into buying, one of them went into PR. So they've got two ends of the spectrum developed, you know, so it was, an and we've always wanted to work together, um, starting a brand would have been a, you know, a difficult and long winded affair. What this has done, yes, it costs money to buy it, but it's actually given us a you know a head start. So I, I believe by the end of this year we'll be in a really, really good position as a, a as, as a more established brand. And that's only after two years. But because we've already got the original to build on, you know, albeit it was a bit wobbly, you know, we've had to sort of repair it a little bit. And, and we've changed it because again, it was a it was a menswear brand. Um, it's it's now, you know, men's and women's wear. Um and you know at the right time we're going to gel those two together to to make a unisex type brand.
0: Oh, that's awesome! You see, I had never heard of hair before. Obviously, I follow you online, started seeing your involvement with it, and then now I feel like it's popping up everywhere. And we talked about this before we hopped on. There's NBA players in the US that are now wearing Hera. Like that's that's so cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I think there was um, it, it was a, a pretty cool brand way way back in the day, and you know they had people like Haley. Bieber wearing it and one of the Beckhams wore it and things like that. But that was very placed. You know, it was paid for with lots of money. Um, And, that, you know, that was a way of doing it back in the day a little bit. You know, we've gone a different way now. We're we're building a brand as well as, you know, um, sort of trying to get it noticed at the same time. So we're trying to do both of them. And the NBA players is just a fantastic um, sort of uh, uh, way of doing that in terms of, they have stylists, and they requested our clothes, so you know we didn't have to pay loads of money to do it. We didn't have to force it, and and they they've really uh, they really like it because again it's oversized and they're pretty big guys, right? Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's there for us to rebuild, and we want to you know we've got lots planned this year to bring it out. We've changed everything from the website to the way it looks to the clothes to the style to literally everything is being rebuilt. Um, into the brand that we want it to be. What is it like being in business with your daughters? Oh, it's just, it's the best feeling. I mean, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't. It's so hard to explain, but, you know, um, it's it, just watching them develop and watching them do things without me having to do it. Um, I'm around and, you know, they'll come to me with things, but they're just doing things and um their skill set so holly holly has worked for she worked for Gymshark okay she actually worked she worked for Hera She worked for Flannels she worked for um my protein the hook group um so she's she's you know she's she's got some miles on the clock in terms of doing doing things in and around the buying and merchandising area so and so you know in terms of suppliers and things like that She's just—I mean, I don't do it, you know. She does. She she does what she does, and then Georgia on the PR side really getting to grips with the social side. She comes from a more slightly more traditional fashion PR background, but you know they're hardworking. They put the hours in, and they don't treat it, you know, as if it's you know sort of daddy's business. They're treating it as every penny is you know theirs in a sense in terms of, um, you know they care about everything.
0: I, I love that grind and that hustle. Of like the early days, everything counts. You're trying to make it matter. I'm sure Gymshark had a similar culture, but as it grows, it naturally gets a little bit more loose, and things have more protocols, more red tape. And when you're early, you can be so versatile, and you can have so much control over what's happening.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, putting those foundations in that I, that I want to put in, um, is is really important. But you you can't always do that. You know, there is a lot of hustling. Um. But for me, it's about them not treating it as, as it's just going to happen. You know, we're always discussing the best price. We're always saying, is this value? You know, but we we have got a plan that is probably different than if you were just starting a brand, you know, with limited funds and, you know, limited capability. You know, we, we put offices in and we put, you know, a number of staff in larger than our turnover currently. But the idea is those people will get in They'll lay all the foundations and then we just turn all the knobs to start making the turnover come up. And then that means it just, it just heats up like this and that's when it will start to work. But, you know, I'm fortunate. It's like an investment, really. I'm investing early to, to make it work.
0: Well, and you have the right experience for this. You're not going into a completely different industry. Like you have a track record here. You have the right contacts. It makes a lot of sense in my head.
1: Yeah, it just works all round. I mean, there'll be a point probably next year when I sort of pull myself back in terms of weather and push the girls forward because we'll have discovered and found exactly who we are. And they'll have had some success in us being able to shout about that. You know, at the moment, they haven't got too much to shout about in terms of what they're doing. You can see that the website's changed. You can see the products change, But when we, we truly then just turn up all the gas on everything, then that's when we can say, yeah, okay, what they did worked. And these are the guys that did it. And then from, I think from 2024, you know, you'll see them at the forefront and not me. And I'll just be in the background doing some other
0: stuff. I'm excited to see it. Paul, as we start to wrap up here, where can people follow you online if they wanna learn more about what you're involved in?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, um, I'm on everywhere really. So LinkedIn is, is really easy to, to get me. And I do, I, do, I do look at everything, you know, over time. Yep. Um, Instagram is on there. I think it's uh, P underscore twice uh, Richardson. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you can find me pretty easy on there. It's open as well. Um, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it that much. So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm around on everything else and quite visible.
0: Awesome. Well, Paul, looking back for my last question here, looking back at your journey of where you started, maybe when you were younger in your early twenties to where you are now. What advice would you give to that younger version of yourself?
1: Oh, I think that one of the biggest things I think I've had. And I think that people should really work on. And it seems to be, especially today is, is resilience. You know, you have to be resilient and don't give up. You know, um, you get knocked down nine times, you get up 10, get knocked 10, you get up 11. You just got to keep getting up. And every day will bring you, um, it'll bring you small road bumps and, and potholes in the road, as I call it. And you're going to have to navigate them, and they're just going to keep coming back as well. You know, they're not going to stop. You don't sort of have one one day and then they all stop the next day. You know, and some days you get more than others, but you've just got to build that res- that resilience up to be able to say it's just a problem. I'm going to get past it, and I'm going to move forward. So for me, uh, you know. I didn't know I had that when I first started out. So if it's anything I could tell anyone, build your resilience up. Don't get disheartened by problems because they're going to occur every single day of your life. Um, And and just keep going. And if you're passionate about something and wanted to to do it, just keep keep pushing on. You know, do not stop. Um, Because I think today, you know, hard work and work-life balance and all them sort of things, They're quite frowned upon, you know, and also your balance when you're pushing on. If you're going to be successful, your work-life balance is going to go out of kilter, you know, so you're going to have to cope with that. So then that's where that resilience
0: comes back in. That's great advice. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it.